Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, You're in the heat of um, studying, and, and I'm coming off of a well, I'm coming off of one busy time to go into the next busy time. I just, uh, we'd finished our retreat. Yeah, I was able to talk to one of the participants and hear her um, thoughts. And it was really interesting and in how, like, there are some people who are, like, ready to really dive in and some people who are, like, a little hesitant and by the end though everyone was people dive in as they think that they're they're diving you know it's deep for them it yeah that retreat I guess I brought it up it's also we what we have our questions so you know for discussion just trying to open up discussion between us and the first one we have is how do you define friendship and the friendship is the basis of that retreat. So, you know, I, I might, uh, Judy Dirks and I, the counselor at Therapy Solutions, we get together weekly and we've done it for years and years. <clears throat> um, and I started it to hold myself accountable, to have somebody who could help me see any blind spots I have in relation to the work that, uh, you know, to the clinic, because I, we, uh, you know, we dive deep with people, 
into their personal lives. And when you start helping people change their lives, it's really important to question if it's the right thing to do or not <laughs> mm -hmm. and how it's done, that it's not done pushy or violent. Um, a friend of mine once said, all change is violent. <laughs> Which is an aggressive term, but I understand where that comes from, though. You know, if I guess yeah. if you look at the definition of violent, that's actually a good one. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not easy to change. And so when we started those retreats, yeah, look up the definition. And The first one is a very, what we would think is violent, you know, but there's another one that says, especially of an emotion or unpleasant or destructive natural force, very strong or powerful. So, you know, in theory, we can think of, destruction as change yeah yeah in uh um, in hindu religion where they look at the different aspects of god as individual gods they they have a god of destruction to the back to my point about the retreat we started it out calling it the best you yet and thinking we're going to help people set goals and achieve goals. Yeah, I think I, it, it can get kind of like, it could easily turn to gimmicky, right? Like when, because so, how many people do, this is the best year yet, or, you know, new, what's it called? Um, new Year's resolutions and all this stuff and kind of saying like, well, it kind of puts a sour taste in my mouth, like, oh, we're not good enough <laughs> to begin with. So we've got to change you to like be the best yet. And, but open to your authentic self, I think is more of, you know, we all are kind of wearing a mask and because of all X, Y, Z and let's break down some barriers so that you're more living your true self than changing like who your core is, you know? Yeah, and and with that first go round, it was uh, then we used a book called "It Was the Best Year Yet," and they have a they have a whole workbook you go through and set your goals and all this. It was it was very nicely done, but it's exactly what you said. And people would make changes on the outside, and then later we would hear they just you know kind of went back to doing things to at their default setting, because that default. The way that we do things is supporting our internal structure as it is. And so Judy was the one who came up with, let's call it open to your authentic self. <clears throat> when we can gently look inward and see who we are and, and find a way to start to express that, everything else falls into place. You know, if you're supposed to be uh, lighter weight, their weight adjusts. You're supposed to have a different career, you change careers. Um, so it, it's, we spend so much of our life trying to conform to the norms and you kind of have to in order to make a living and hold on a job, uh, those kind of things that we lose track of who we are 
um, get mixed up between what's authentic and what's a craving. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And, you know, we can't necessarily always 100% follow our authentic self, maybe 100% of the time, but we can definitely try ourselves to align ourselves to that as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. And so that comes around to the friendship question again. Judy and I became friends and over time. um, And, and uh, so what we did, we felt like where this um, retreat has taken a turn, we call, we called it through grief to peace. Um, Looking at how loss affects us and how we can use loss uh, to rediscover ourselves, to deepen our spirituality, what have you. And we feel like this is a really important message right now because just with COVID, for instance, there's been massive change in how we live life and that's a loss. Mm-hmm. And how, how can we use it as a positive uh, to, to realign our lives with the things that are most important to us. Yeah. And I think like, you know, we live in also in a world that we think change is bad, but in reality, it's just, an, like you said, an opportunity to check in, an opportunity to, to see if our life still aligns with, with, um, our true values. And, you know, I used to think that, that we could never change. Like if you change, that's bad, you know? And I think that's just a naive, a naive thing to think. Cause like I, maybe you, we, um, we learn about, um, Oh, we hear about like people's relationships, like marriages change or like fail because, Oh, the per- the partner changed. And mm-hmm. so then we like, fear this change. Um, so I think if we really come into any type of friendship or relationship, knowing that what it looks like is going to change and, and allowing that authenticity to happen. And then while supporting that friend, like, okay, so I guess we can take this back to being what's defined friendship. Yeah. Think about the, the relationships in my life that, and the friendships in my life that have lasted you know, more than convenience, right? So, like, friends in high school, friends in college, like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that have endured more change, like, we all kind of have this mutual respect and mutual understanding that life is not linear and things are going to change and we're going to change and we're going to um, – and then we're supporting each other through that change – um, yeah. which is so rare. So I think um, I think once we start realizing like change is inevitable, even if we're trying to or not, and then understanding that change isn't failure, you know, and that communication and mutual respect can help you get to a certain point, like maybe friend- that friendship might end, you know. Um, but again, that's also that happens, right? Like it's, I think it's allowing space for people to be who they want to be. 
What do you, what's there's an expression you have friend there's friends for a season and then friends there's a mid step friend I can't remember and then there's friends for life mm-hmm. but in I think in a friendship we accept each other and we hold each other's stories mm-hmm. uh, we don't tell each other's stories and we accept each other even with faults and failings. And I always feel like we're kinder to our friends than we are to ourselves. You know, there's like that um, uh, like quote or meme that tends to be thrown around of, you know, the way that you self-talk to yourself. Would you actually say that to a friend? And if you would, then okay, maybe that's honest and, and it's reflective. But then if you truly wouldn't, say what you tell your friend like what you tell yourself to a friend then that's mean like you're being mean to yourself like or you're being mean about that person or you're meaning you're um uh not coming from an authentic place so i think that's something to think about too well oh there's just one the the taking time for friends is another aspect like as we get busier especially like as i get busier I have it not taken time for friends. So I don't have as broad a social circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of an introvert, so I don't mind that too much. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that. And especially with a job where we have to be selectively extroverted, that takes a lot of energy. And when you come home, you don't want to be social anymore. So no, no. Get that. I also am guilty of I will make time more for my friends than like my family, which is like something I've never really looked too deep into. And it's like there has to be maybe a subconscious thing behind that. Um, so maybe that I'll have to reflect on that. Um, but it's like you know sometimes we put more emphasis on friends versus family. And maybe our family, like, isn't quite our friends, you know, but maybe that's why we don't put so much effort into it is because, no, I, I, this is not necessarily my thought. I'm just thinking this out loud, you know. Mm -hmm. So I saw recently someone asked the question of, for your siblings, you know, would you be friends with them if you weren't siblings, right? Like, would your Mm -hmm. personality actually align with each other? And would you actually want to enjoy each other's time if you weren't actually forced to, you know? And so, you know, maybe that's part of it is this obligation, which I don't have siblings, so I don't know the answer to that. Um, But, you know, I think it is a difference when you choose certain people to be in your group versus when they're, like, a part of your group by association. But then why we could still be friends with our family you know like I, yeah. I think it's something that I need to look into too and like reflect on I with the loss of my mother's sister and dad in a short period of time I have reflected on this and um, I've done more reaching out in response to the family that remains um, especially and and I'm, th- I'm thinking about how I connect with friends, too, um, because I realize that's very precious to me. And I wonder if over time it becomes more important, but I don't I don't know. I just 
I like to learn from things that happen in my life and losing these people who are important to me. One of the things I learn is I want to have heart connections with, with the people in my life. So anyway, one nice thing I'm doing, we can move on to the next question, but um, this friend, these friends of ours, we knew them 30 years ago, my husband and I, and we've stayed connected on Facebook. That's one nice thing about Facebook is like, stay connected with friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I bypass all the other stuff and just the real true friend posts. I like, 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 so getting a pretty good stream of friend stuff. And, um, the husband came down with multiple myeloma, which is just a horrible diagnosis and a lot of work. So, um, what I did, I did as I started sending her jokes, and uh, uh, via text. And I, we, so nearly every day I send her a joke and then my dad died and I just wasn't up for it. And she started sending me jokes and now we send each other jokes and it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And if that's the extent of your conversation, like right now, like that's appropriate, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh so, I mean, text is another great way just to tell somebody I'm thinking of you. And so even though I, time didn't magically appear, it's a way I've been able to stay connected. I think my dog has also taught me about, and we're, I'm kind of bleeding into the one of the questions, which was, um, what thoughts come to your mind when you are relaxed? <laughs> and you and I agree that we're, we don't do that much. <laughs> and I realized like what you would think is relaxation. I'm actually numbing myself by social media. So then I'm truly not mm -hmm. relaxed. Like I'm just, like I said, numb and unattached and really not connecting mindfully to relaxation. And so I saw this question and I just, I, I honestly couldn't tell you if there's something comes to my brain when I'm relaxed. And if well, I'm in a massage or, you know, so, like if I was in acupuncture or something like that, I would be thinking about everything else that I have to do in my day. Well, and that's what I, when I relax, that's what my mind goes to what I think I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So not proud but there you are but the thing with the dog so when I got a dog I realized wow that heart connection part of me was a little rusty and so the pet has been a, a good source of reminding me hey let's let's connect with another living being and play a little catch and <laughs> yeah yeah I uh I've been reading a lot about how people suggest like adding playtime into our lives even as adults and if you think back to like even myself in high school I remember so I did dance my entire childhood into high school and um I remember like growing up I would like be in the basement and just put music on for hours and like make up these dances and you know, and I didn't record myself, you know, I just like 
just did it, you know, and how much more free and happy I, and maybe it was all a lie, but you know, like at least I can think or rosy colored glasses, you know, like it was such a great, you know, outlet. And I would say since I've been, since like what, 20, early twenties, like I haven't done something like that. And, um, how great could that help with relaxation and like letting things go and just being, I think would be really nice. And same thing with other people, like people could paint or sing or draw or use Play-Doh, you know, there's no limit to how play can look like in your life. Yeah. Appreciate nature, like getting outside and yeah, just looking. Yeah. And being okay with not trying to lose calories, like with your walk and get it done as fast as you can. So you go to the next thing. It's more of, I'm here to be one with nature and take it in and, Mm -hmm. and uh, get to that relaxation point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's make, uh, this reminds me of what, when I'm working with older people and they, I'm older. I, I, so I had this lady when I worked in the hospital, she was 99 years old and she had fallen and broken her hip. And my job was to get her out of bed. And she looked at me and said, why, why do I have to do this? And I was at a loss for why I needed to make her do that because I think I would want to stay in bed too. And I realized, you know, if I woke up today, I have some responsibilities and they are to eat, to, to move, to do something, to make the world a better place and to have some fun. And then to sleep, you know, (laughs) those are, those are the things we have to do if we woke up in a body today. And so that, did you do something that was just fun today? And so, um, I don't know, what would I want to come to mind when I, when I'm relaxed? I, I don't. Right. If I'm filling my day with things to do, when I relax, I guess I don't want to be thinking about those things because that's my moment of relax. It They often come in the middle of the night. I have to redirect my brain. Um, but I guess I'd like to be thinking about the happy times, happy memories. Um, yeah I even think I'd rather maybe not think about anything more like feeling emotions because I'm really good at pushing them down and you know being okay with feeling things and you know I was thinking the other day like I tend to laugh a lot which is good um but you know like I haven't like cried in months you know like I I, I'm missing the full spectrum, I think, of emotions. And I think in relaxation, I would like to feel my full spectrum of emotions. Yeah. You know, I was, so to bring in a little Ayurveda, we've talked about the, the doshas, the sharira doshas, the bodily doshas of um, 
vata, pitta, kapha. So kapha type people are going to be more calm. And so they're not going to. Yeah. Most people have told me that my entire life. Like you're like, you're like pretty calm and pretty like, um, maybe, maybe not necessarily calm, but, um, that, yeah, like you, you know what you're going to get, you know, consistent, you know, kind of a thing, which is, I guess, which is a good thing. So I was talking with another Kaffa friend of mine, Kaffa dominant friend of mine, and that <clears throat> you, she feels that she's numbing out at times. And I said, maybe sometimes it's calmness and sometimes it's numbing and you have to stop and ask which one it is mm-hmm. like, cause I'm at, I'm heading towards the other end of the spectrum where I'm like emotionally volatile <clears throat> and I'm so much better than I used, used to be, used to be a daily thing. Um, I used to have times I had not many, I had a couple of days in my life where I started to cry and I had to go home cause I couldn't stop. And um, that was the difference for, for both of us. I think what we're talking about is mental discipline, like teaching my brain to go where I want it to go. And um, uh, that has been very useful for me. Those, those skills. Um, and where I may want it to go is like in your, like you said, to what emotions am I aware of? Because we all have them. It's just whether how intense they are. Oh, I got this. From, uh, I, my sister is going through my parents' home and she came across the paper that, of medical um, information for my mom when she was, we figured she was 29 and hospitalized uh, because of low thyroid. So it puts the diagnosis on there and they did not realize it was a low thyroid. They diagnosed her paranoid schizophrenic and low thyroid. Oh, <laughs> it was the treatment. It was the treatment for six electroshock sessions. Wow. And that was their treatment for thyroid disease. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause in their brain, you know, they don't, they exist separately. Not one causes the other one. Yeah. This was 1955 and, wow. and, uh, the the cost of the treatment was $162. (laughs) It was was a period of, oh, I don't have it right with me. Um, uh, Maybe two weeks. I'm going to find it. Here it is. And fascinating Um, that your mom kept it. Yes, it says a lot because they would say that my mom was depressive my mom would say that about herself, but they never said the schizophrenia paranoid type, which to me is a misdiagnosis. I know my mom and 
Yeah, she wasn't. Like that. It was all around the hypothyroid. But they put that as the first. And like, this is how women get treated. It was, yeah, 1955. And um, in the hospital um, from 618 to 73. So June 18th to July 3rd. Uh, wow. Hope her thyroid was working better after that. <laughs> Somehow I thought that was relevant to our discussion, but where does our mind go when you relax? Well, I guess, I guess it kind of comes into the, into the idea that we, we as a society, like have in the past historically have been hospitalized for extended period of time for our emotions and, um, and Mm. kind of, you know, and maybe if people are expressing them, in a different, in a more severe way, which then, and this is kind of back to what I said like a few sessions ago or a few episodes ago, how other people's emotions make you feel uncomfortable. So then you do something to like change it so that you feel comfortable and you're not allowing that other person to actually have appropriate emotions. And now granted, you know, if someone is about to harm themselves or others, then yes, we need to step in and stuff like that. Um, and I'm just surprised they didn't use hysteria, you know, that's why they, you know, if people know what the definition of hysteria is and how they used to, and it's no wonder that hysteria has a root word of like hysterectomy and, <laughs> you know, that there's a connection between women and emotions and control and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's what comes down to that too, is, you know, we've in the past have made sure that people were hospitalized or needed to severely do something in order to change their emotions just because we felt comfortable around them. And that's not appropriate either. (laughs) Well, I'm glad they figured out thyroid for my mom. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My my dad told the story more at the end of his life and he said he thought she he was going to lose her. Mm. Like like she was going to have to be permanently hospitalized. Wow. Be, because of her her you know just the crumbling of her her mood. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and you know coming into their lives after that time uh I really was unaware of that. And you know, we just don't know what each other has been through, what kind of things people have lived. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We had one more one question. Is, is a quick one. Yes. What is important, but not urgent on your to-do list? I put my self-care at the top of the list. I... Yeah. So that's the most, that's the important stuff to me. And I, um, I'm always frequently a little disappointed at the end of the day that I didn't get to the other things I feel were necessary, urgent. I wanted to get them done, but. Yeah. I think if I would truly answer, I, I could have like two answers. Like one is the one I should say, which is, you know, the self-care or the, uh, 
going back to the dancing or reading a book for fun, you know, but in my brain, like, but in reality, I'm like, okay, what's important? Like, um, the continuing education that I haven't done, (laughs) like, beyond the, you know, beyond the studying that I'm doing for the test and um, other things. And it's like, no, but that, are they really important? You know, are they really urgent? You know, maybe not. And just a different way of thinking about things. Yeah. Well, I guess I think of important as versus urgent. Urgent are the things that are pressing and they feel like they need to be done now. And the the important are the things that that matter the most. If I look in the long run, what will matter the most? And you know, that's a good summary question for the discussion, which I think time has taught me is the connection with people and not, not production. Yeah. I, I just think we, we get pushed to perform and create so much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that we, we miss out like the, you know, being able to, to go go more slowly and get things done slowly. And why, why be in such a rush? Perfect. Yeah. Those were good questions. They fit together. Yeah. Yeah, they do. We have a list of more uh, questions. These are more like our, we don't have a topic today. We don't have the capacity to find a topic that's beyond just us connecting so i like it yeah thank you yeah thank you okay we'll see you later sounds good thank you so much for listening to this episode our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them and now here we are if you are interested in more content we'll be releasing new episodes every other monday You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.